Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Who's excited for church? Come on! If we haven't met, my name is Ali and my beautiful wife and I, we started this crazy church four years ago and uh, we are being pushed around like a little kid on a playground, but God's not done with us, amen? Uh, I want to pause before we begin because I have, I want to let you guys know I've been knocking on 37 doors in the last two weeks uh, and not one building, not one church, not one high school, not one elementary school is ready to let us in, but we still got two weeks. And just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean God's not working. And I want to preach to that problem today. Let's pause as a church and let's, let's pray. Because I got a word. Is it okay if I preach today? Let's go. Come on. Let's pray. God, I pray for all those who are weary and need rest. I pray for all those who mourn and long for comfort. I pray for all those who fail and desire strength. I pray for all those who sin and need a Savior. God, I pray that the doors of this church would be wide open. And that we would welcome them as if Jesus himself was welcoming them. And if you believe it, everybody said? I love the Bible because sometimes preachers, in an effort to make heroes out of the Bible, we will only preach the good side, one-sided stories. And by one side, I mean only the highlights of someone's life. And we do it in an effort, you know, because we want to make heroes. We want to create characters that, that we can be role models in our life. But sometimes when we only preach the good side of someone's life, not only do we make them aspirational, listen, we make them unattainable. You ever read a story in the Bible and be like, I could never do that. Oh, man, if that's you, that this day is a good day. Because the Bible is filled, let me tell you, encourage you, with jacked up, messed up people just like your pastor on this stage. Amen? If you have humility, you'll say, me too. Uh, I remember one of my mentors several years ago, he was mentoring me probably since 2012. And, man, I looked up to this guy. He preached amazing. He prayed amazing. He probably went to the bathroom amazing. Everything he did I was like, I can't do that. He's like totally out of my zone. And it was discouraging for me. Because he like knew every verse. He knew, you asked him a question, he'd give you the right answer. And I thought, there's no way I can ever reach up to this level, this guy. And then one day he told me a story about how he sold his home in San Jose and he moved to Morgan Hill. And he moved to this area in Morgan Hill where they were like building new homes. So they didn't build a sidewalk yet. So he was jogging in the mornings at like 5, 6 a.m. And but he couldn't jog on the sidewalk. He had to jog in the street. And one day he's got his head AirPods in and he's jogging down the street and this BMW zooms by him going 60 miles an hour, like inches away. If you ever sat next to a car, stood outside, it kind of sucks you in and then pushes you out. He almost falls over and in a fit of rage, he picks up a rock and is about to throw it and realizes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm a pastor. And he's telling me this story and in my heart, I'm like, thank you, Jesus that he's just as angry as I am. Come on. That was incredible. I'm like, if if he's that jacked up, God, there's hope for me, amen? And I love the Bible because it tells you not just the highlights of people's lives, but the low lives. I am grateful for a dude named Noah. Someone say Noah. Noah built a boat in the desert when there was no rain. But Noah built a vineyard when he got out of the boat. Then he got drunk. How drunk? He got so drunk, he, he passed out naked. Listen, I've never built a boat, but I've never passed out naked. Me and Noah are pretty close, actually. You should say amen for that. Because the Bible's not filled with good people. It's filled with jacked up people. I love David because I'm grateful for his life. As a 17-year-old dude, he killed a 10-foot Goliath named 
a giant named Goliath with a slingshot. Crazy. But later in life, David slept with his, one of his best friend's wives. Then to hide the pregnancy, he killed the husband. Listen, I've never killed a 10-foot giant, but I've never killed one of my friends to sleep with his wife. I'm grateful that God doesn't just give us the good things in people's lives, it gives us the bad. It doesn't just give their, their, their good days, it gives us their bad days. And it encourages me because it shows me the Bible's real. So many people say the Bible's not real. If it wasn't real, why would it give us the, 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 the negative parts of people's lives? Don't you think it would only show their highlights? But it shows their failures. It shows their sin. It shows us on their worst day. But it's encouraging for me because these are people that I can actually follow. These aren't just like superheroes on TV that, that do it right, that pray right, that, that always have faith. These are people that fall down and then they get back up. These are people that I need to follow, amen? And there's a story in the Bible of a dude named Elisha. Someone say Elisha. He's a dude that had some high highs and he had some low lows. He was, is one of my favorite prophets in the Old Testament. This man did more miracles than anyone in the Bible except for Jesus. And anytime your name is in the same sentence as Jesus except, that's a pretty good day. Like Babe Ruth has the most, Barry Bonds has the most home runs and number two is Hank Aaron. Jesus has the most miracles. And then Elijah is number two. Let me read you some of his miracles that this man did. One time, Elijah comes to a city, and there's a lake of water, and it's bitter. He throws in a log, and it becomes Pellegrino. Anyone want to live in that city? It becomes bitter to sweet. One time, he, he heals a man of leprosy. One time, he gets angry and gives a man leprosy. Don't want to anger a prophet. One time, there's this woman who can't get pregnant, and he prophesies a pregnancy, leaves for a couple of years, then the woman's son dies. Then he lays on top of the sun and resurrects. This man has the power to change water, to resurrect dead people. One time, he goes to this woman who only has a jar of olive oil. He says, go to all your neighbors, get all the cups in this city, and watch what God's going to do. And she, this woman, she grabs all the cups in her town, and begins to pour out this olive oil in all her empty cups, and it only stops when she runs out of cups. One time he comes to an army, literally an army of people that want to kill him, and he blinds all of them, and they end up killing themselves. Crazy, the miracles that this man did. And that's only one-third of the miracles in Elisha's life. I remember asking a pastor this last week, do you know how Elisha died? And he couldn't answer me. Anyone in the story ever heard of Elisha? Anyone know how he dies? Which is crazy, because if I, if I mention the name of Elisha, most people know who he is, but very few people, even pastors, don't even know how he died. They, that's what makes this story that I'm about to read you. It shows you Elisha's life on his last day. And I, I pray it's going to encourage you. Let me read you this text. First, 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Elijah came down sick. Now, everybody, look at me. Don't look at the screen. Don't look at the screen. So what if he's sick? This is the dude that resurrected a dead person. This is the dude that gave someone leprosy, took away leprosy, turned water into Pellegrino. This is the dude that, that turned olive oil into a factory of extra virgin olive oil. So what if he's sick? This man does miracle after miracle. He can heal himself, amen? But watch what happens. It was a sickness of which he would soon die. Whoa, 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 whoa. The guy who heals people the guy who redeems broken lives, the guy who can help everybody else, the guy who has miracles for everyone. He doesn't even have one miracle for himself. That's crazy. That's what I want to preach to you about today. 
This is the title of today's talk. What do you do when God doesn't do it? What do you do when God doesn't do it for you? What do you do when you pray and God doesn't answer the prayer? When, 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 you, want it, when you need a miracle and he doesn't do it? When, when you need your son to accept Christ and you need that job and you need that bonus so you can make that payment? What do you do when God doesn't do it? I pray this word encourages you. And uh, In 2020, I, I had one of those years where we all suffered a little bit, amen? It was not fun, shelter in place. Anybody love shelter in place? Good. If you Raise your hand, I want to ask you to leave in Jesus' name. <laughs> but 2020 was the year where my two-year-old stopped screaming my name at 5 a.m. She finally started sleeping at 7. But what happened was, imagine for two years I'm waking up at 5 a.m. Now it's a habit. Now even when I set my alarm for 7, my body wakes up at 5 so I'm, I do what all of us do. Instead of going to Kaiser, we go to WebMD, right? Trying to look up, how do I sleep longer? And it gave me some like basic advice. Don't drink coffee after 5, and don't go to the gym after 8 o'clock, and don't look at the screen after 8 so that you can fall asleep. But then it gave me a piece of advice I didn't expect. It said, sleep with a weighted blanket. And a weighted blanket, if you don't know what it is, exactly what it sounds like. It's a blanket that's heavy. It's weighted. It makes you feel like you're in the womb. I'm like, let's do it. And then I went to Amazon, and I quickly realized there are dozens upon dozens of weighted blankets. And then I did what all of us do, right? We look at the Amazon reviews. Which one has the highest number of reviews? There was one with 1,000. There was one with 5,000. There was one, listen, with 43. You can Google it or Amazon it. 43,000 reviews. I'm like, there is no way that this has that many positive. I brought this morning some of those positive reviews. Let's look on the screen and read together. Look at this one. Let me get closer. This is Jenny, Jenny from the block. I never write reviews. That's when you know they're lying. I never write reviews, but I thought I should, after buying two of these blankets, I haven't slept through the night and for, for, for almost six years. Thanks for a difficult pregnancy and a baby. It trained my body to only sleep for a couple hours a night. I tried everything, and I'm shocked that a weighted blanket works so magically. This, this sounds like too, this is like made from Jesus' hair, like has to have these magical powers. From, from restless legs, insomnia, anxiety, it is an instant fix. I have a draped over me or I write this, and it feels amazing. Let me read you another review. This is from De- Deanne. This is the best purchase! When you know someone puts caps, they're not lying. This is the best purchase I've ever made. More than an iPhone? Come on. I've I've been an insomniac for years and I've never successfully been treated. Even with many doctor appointments and medications, nothing worked. On top of that, I have RLS, restless legs. That just sounds fake. I thought I would give it a blanket a try since it was weighted. And when when I'm in pain with my nerves and my legs, I can't sleep for many reasons. I always want... For many reasons, I always want weight on my legs and body. This product is not an advertisement for RLS, but it absolutely should be. I'm going to skip the rest. I thought this thing was too good to be true. Let me fast forward. I bought this thing. Let me tell you, I hated this thing. Did not work for me. Because normally when I sleep, my body's hot. I'm sweating. I like to sleep with just the, the, the sheet, not the blanket. The first night I slept under a weighted blanket, I had a dream I was in hell. It was a thousand degrees under this thing. And I wasn't just in hell. There was like demons sitting on me because this thing was weighted. It, that's the frustrating part, that this thing worked for 43,000 people. And it didn't work for me. What do you do when it works for others, but it doesn't work for you? What do you do when everyone buys that shampoo and they're like, oh my God, 
This is the best. You have to. And it doesn't work for you. It makes your hair fall out. What do you do when, when you lazy? Everyone brags about that mascara and then it makes your face look blotchy. It doesn't work for you. Have you ever done that with prayer? Like all your friends are praying and they're seeing miracles and, and then you pray. We just prayed as a church for 21 days. We prayed and fasted and your friends are getting breakthroughs. They're getting closer to God and the only thing that you did is not eat bread for 21 days because it didn't work for you. You ever done that with tithing? Church challenges you. Test God in this. Put him first in your finances. You put him first and you lose your job. Works for everyone but you. Have you ever experienced this with God? Where you go to the hospital of a loved one and they need a miracle. And you're the one Christian in the family. And you pray for their healing. And they die the next day. If that hasn't happened to you, let me tell you, it's coming. What do you do when God doesn't do it for you? What do you do when you pray for the marriage to be restored? You go to counseling. You go to, you go to groups and you pray for your pastor. And then you go to counseling and you, and you fight more in the parking lot leaving counseling than you did before you got there. What do you do when it doesn't work for you? That's what I want to preach on today. I want to encourage some of you that maybe life is not going the way that you want. Maybe, maybe your marriage is not going the way. What do you do when it doesn't work for you. There are three things that I want to give you. If you're taking notes, you've got to write these down. First one is this. When God doesn't do it for you, keep pounding. Someone say, keep pounding. It's five o'clock. We're going to eat tacos. I'm trying to give you Jesus. Let's say it a little. Someone say, keep pounding. Keep pounding. Let me read you this verse. Elisha came down sick, and it was a sickness of which he would soon die. Joash, the king of Israel, paid him a visit. This is why, let me give you context. Joash is the king of Israel, and now the Israelites are being surrounded by an army called Aram. And he goes to his, to his prophet, the ace in the hole. He's like, bro, are we going to win? Can you pray to God to have this victory? And watch what happens. When he, he being Joash, saw, saw him, him being Elisha, he wept openly, crying, my father, my father, chariot and horsemen of Israel. Someone underline that in your Bible. Because I'm going to come back to tell you the significance of that later. Elisha told him, go and get a bow and some arrows. Now pick up the other arrows. I brought some arrows to illustrate this. And Elisha said, pick them up. And then he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Notice there's no condition. Notice he didn't tell him how many times. Notice he didn't say, do this until I say. He just said, keep striking the ground. And watch what the king does. The king struck the ground three times. And then quit. The holy man became angry. Why didn't you hit the ground five or six times? Then you would have beat Aram until he was finished. As it is, you'll defeat him only three times. Then Elijah died and they buried him. I find it so interesting that Elijah is on his deathbed. He knows he's going to die. But he still has the faith to pray for someone else's miracle, even though God didn't give him a miracle. See, some of you need to learn the art of not letting the failure in your life affect the faith in your life. So you know how you know, you know what, what the greatest sign of your maturity is? When God doesn't give it to you. How do you act? Elijah is praying for a miracle. This is a man giving other people hope, giving other people healing. And even when he doesn't get it for himself, he still has the faith to pray. And then he gets angry at the king. He goes, bro, I, I'm on my deathbed. I got the faith to pray for your miracle, even though God isn't giving mine. At least hit the ground five more times. And many theologians debate why Joash only hit the ground three times. And the most obvious answer is the simplest answer. 
Joash saw nothing happen. So imagine there's this quiver in the side of the room, and Elijah's in this bed over here. He goes, grab the arrows, and he grabs the arrows. And then Elijah says, strike the ground. And Joash is awkward because he's not a warrior. He doesn't know what to do with this. It's like when a man holds makeup. He's like, I don't know what to do with this. And he strikes the ground. And Elijah doesn't say anything. And the heavens don't open up. There's no angels in the room. He's like, did I do it right? Let's try this one more time. And he looks over at Elijah. And Elijah's stone face, poker face, strikes the ground one more time. And looks at Elisha. Elisha, again, doesn't do anything. And Joash, if I know the scriptures, he's probably a three on the anagram. He's like, bro, I need some positive affirmation. My love language is words of affirmation. Please say something. Elisha says nothing. So he does it a third time. Someone say third time. time. Strikes the ground and sees nothing and then quits. Some of the most difficult seasons in your life are when you don't see God moving. And you think he's done with you. You gotta learn to obey in the now because he's working on the miracle later. You gotta learn to trust his character, even though you don't see with your eyes. You gotta trust the one who's asking you to do this. My wife is not just an amazing pastor and communicator. Anyone wants to hear Pastor Yasmin preach? I've been asking, I'm trying to get some peer pressure. She was sick two weeks ago and she wasn't in the room. I'm doing it with her in the room. Please don't kill me when we get home. But she's a better mom than pastor. That's a great sign of some godly character. She, she whips our kids into shape where I just want to whip them. Come on. And my kids in the morning, they don't want to do their chores. I, I resort to yelling and threatening them. My wife, she's way wiser. She creates what's called a chore chart. If you want to watch TV, if you want to play with your Legos, you got to do these five things. And my kids... They don't just get angry at the chore chart. They get surprised. I'm like, bro, you, we've been doing this for three months. i got a five-year-old and two-year-old. They still get, dad, why, why do we have to brush our teeth? It's Saturday. We're not going to see anyone. <laughs> and they're right. And my wife, she has a great answer. I want you to be the type of people that no matter the day, you get up, brush your teeth, comb your hair, change your clothes, not look righteous, ratchet, look righteous. Come on. Because one day, you're going to rush to an interview, and you're going to be late, and you have to comb your hair, and you're going to look the part, and you're going to get the job. You're welcome. I'm trying to make you people who have habit, because if you do these things now, even though you don't see the benefit in the now, trust me, you're going to see the benefit later. If I can speak to some of the guys in this room, you wake up on Saturday morning, you don't brush your teeth because you're aversion, you're allergic to Colgate, but you're going to walk into Starbucks one day, and your gym crush or your church crush, the love of your life is going to be in Starbucks. And now you can't talk to her because you got a stank breath. And your, the will of God for your life is gone. You'll never get that second chance again. All because you were lazy. Because you couldn't do it in the now, and you didn't get it in the then. Some of you need to realize that God wants to tell you some things that you may not understand or even agree with in the now. But you got to trust his character. you got to understand who's it. It's not... My parents asking me. It's not my friends. It's not culture. It's the one who sent his son Jesus to die for me. This is where sometimes purity doesn't make sense in the now. Especially if you had options. And you're full of heat. And you're like, a cold shower is not going to work anymore, Pastor Allie. And sometimes in those moments, like, why not go forward with it? Because even though you don't see it in the now, you're going to thank me in the then. Because one day you're going to be married. And your loved one's going to touch you on the hand. 
And you're going to confuse the affection of your spouse with the, with the touch of someone who abused you in the past. And even though your current spouse didn't hurt you, your past one did, and you're confused the two because you didn't obey God in the now, and now you're suffering in the then. What about forgiveness? There's a man named Neil Anderson wrote a book this last summer that I read called Victory Over Darkness. What are the things that hold us back from living the life that God has? He says in 30 years of ministry, the people, 90% of Christians have some sort of unforgiveness in their heart. And the person that they can't forgive is their parents. If I can encourage some of you, forgive them now. Because one day in the then, they're going to be in a coffin. And you won't have that opportunity. And you forgiving them in the now has nothing to do with their freedom. It has everything to do with your freedom. Sometimes you got to learn to obey God in the now, even when it doesn't make sense, even when your feelings go against it. What about church? 2020 was a hard year to go to church. Sitting on your couch, Netflixing and karaokeing with Ethan on stage. Come on. It was hard. But, you, but some of you, if you notice, a third of our church stopped coming because they got tired of doing it. But you guys didn't quit. You guys kept coming. You guys kept showing up. You guys kept serving. You guys kept coming to groups. And even though it doesn't make sense in the now, there's going to be a day when your life is falling apart and you're going to realize it's because of the grace of God that I never stopped coming. I never stopped giving. I never stopped coming. Sometimes you've got to obey the character of God in the now, even when it doesn't make sense. This is why I love the game Simon Says. Anybody know how Simon Says works? Can we play? I, this is a good sermon illustration. I need everyone in the room to do Simon Says. Okay, ready? Simon Says, slap your thighs. Simon Says, raise the roof. Simon Says, clap. Wow. You can stop. I did not expect that. I thought you guys were ratchet. You're all going to stop clapping after I stop clapping. Because my point was don't stop. When you see God stop, stop when God tells you to stop. God never told Joash to stop striking the ground. He kind of should have kept pounding. Some of you, your marriage is falling apart. You're going to groups. You're going to counseling. And you don't see the miracles. So you want to quit on your marriage. Don't stop until God tells you to stop. Some of you want to quit on God because he, he hasn't healed that loved one. He hasn't healed your marriage. He hasn't brought your kid back. Keep pounding. Keep fasting. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Because even though you don't see it with your eyes, believe the character of God that he's working in the background. I love that Elijah is angry for a good reason. Because this Joash, he had faith with his eyes. And Elijah, on his deathbed, Wanted to teach him to have faith in the character of God, not what, what he sees, but what he knows, he knows who God is. Second thing I want to teach you this morning, when God doesn't do it, keep it real. Someone say, keep it real. Keep it real. To understand the story of Elisha, you got to know this. He has a mentor named Elijah. Totally confusing. The Bible's annoying sometimes. There's a J before the S, just like the alphabet. Elijah is the mentor of Elisha. Elijah, the older guy, this dude's a G. He does tons of miracles. Third most miracles in the Bible. Elijah's number two, Jesus is number one. This guy is amazing. Should have a whole like, sermon about him. But at the end of his life, it's prophesied that he's going to go to heaven. There are two people in the Bible that never died. Enoch and Elijah. They got taken to heaven on the last day of his life. 
Elijah knows he's going. And Elisha's following. Elisha, the, the mentee, is following the mentor. And Elijah, Elijah keeps telling him, go home. Go home. Go home to your family. And Elisha's like, no, I want a double portion of what you have. I want to, I, I, I've been following you for 10 years. I want the miracles that you did. I, I paid the price. I want it. And Elisha goes, that's a hard thing. But when you see me taken to heaven, you'll get the double blessing. They come to a river. Elijah, with a J, takes off his jacket, strikes the water like Moses, and the waters separate, and they cross to the other side. And as soon as they get to the other side, verse 11 happens. Read verse 11 with me. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly, someone say suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. Imagine this. The chariots and the horses are on fire. It's so easy to be distracted by a good thing and not focus on the God thing. Because if Elisha focuses on the chariot, he won't get the double blessing. There are some things in your life right now, I'm telling you, that are distracting you from the God thing. Focus on Jesus. It drove between the two men, separating them. Elisha was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Verse 12 says this. Elijah saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Did you see it? Joash said the same thing to Elisha. The Bible is taking two stories and connecting them both. Let me show you why. Verse 13, Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Verse 14, Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He's like, we're taking this anointing for a test drive. Let's see if it's going to work. Watch what happens. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Notice the water doesn't separate. What do you do when God doesn't do do it for you? Look what Elisha says. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. Then he struck the water again. Someone say again. He struck it twice when his mentor only needed to strike it once. Then it divided to the right and the left, and he crossed over. Now you understand why Elisha got so angry at Joash. Because Joash struck the ground three times. And when he didn't see it, he stopped. And Elisha he struck the same cloak that his mentor did. He struck it, and it didn't happen. But because he kept pounding. Someone say, keep pounding. keep pounding. Even when God doesn't do it, keep pounding. But the second thing that happened is that Elijah gave God his anger, gave God his doubts, gave God his frustration because he kept it real. Don't confuse Elisha's faith and be distracted by his doubts. He gets angry with God. Where now is the Lord? The God of Elisha, where do you go with your doubts? Where do you go with your questions? Do you go to Google? What's the, what's the meaning of life? Enter. Do you go to Facebook? Maybe you go to politics. Maybe you go to science. Maybe you go to philosophy. Maybe some of you even go to a fortune teller or other religions. I love that Elisha is giving God his anger, and some of you are afraid of speaking to God this way. I, I, I was born and raised in a Muslim home. I didn't convert to Christianity until the age of 24. In Islam, you don't question God. Because if you do, lightning's coming. And Elisha here is questioning, the, where is now the Lord? 
Some of you need to bring your anger to God. Some of you need to bring your doubts to God. God's not going to throw lightning at you. I wrote down this way. God is not afraid of your authenticity. He's after it. He's after it. The very, the very essence of who you are, what frustrates you, what, what brings you joy. God doesn't just want the happy side of you. He wants the angry side as well. Isn't it so funny that we'll speak this way with our spouse, we'll tell them when we're frustrated, we'll tell them when we're upset, but then with God, it's like we almost become king. Where art thou, heaven? And we think we've got to put the religious mask on. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. I love that Elijah is on his deathbed and he's praying for a miracle when God doesn't give it to him and he still keeps praying and he's still frustrated, but he's keeping it real. Someone say, keep it real. I got to do this with my wife. I just bragged on her. Can I tell you the real, some, some stuff? She's not going to be angry. This is good stuff. We shop very differently. I need to confess. When I go shopping, I do what most men do. We hate going to the mall. So we research hours online. We walk in, try it, buy it. We're out in five minutes in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. These are spirit-filled men saying amen. <laughs> My wife doesn't do that. She'll spend two hours at five different stores. Then she'll just, this looks good. That looks good. And she won't go to this fitting room because it's dirty. <laughs> so then she'll come home and try it. And I'm telling you, I've been married eight years. She has never kept more than one piece of clothing when she buys 20. <laughs> and that's not the frustrating part. The frustrating part is she'll hand me the five bags. Please return these for me. <laughs> I caught on to this by year one. I'm like, honey, I love you. You're am I'm not going shopping. She's like, you, I, I need someone to go shopping with. Fine, I'll go by myself. And when your wife says fine, you're in trouble if you don't go. <laughs> All you young married men, go. So she puts her shoes on, I put my shoes on. She walks to the car, I walk to the car. She gets in the car, I said, passenger, I thought you weren't coming. I'm like, of course I'm going to come with you. But honey, I'm going to keep it real. I don't like the way that you shop. You're always trying to argue. I'm not trying to argue. I just want to waste two hours today and then another hour next Saturday. Amen? That's what some of you need to do with God. Some of you have this frustration that he didn't heal, that he didn't provide, that he didn't take the cancer away. And instead of telling him the way I tell my wife, you keep it in. And it withholds intimacy. The times where my wife and I are the closest are when we're the rawest. And we tell each other the real pain, the real frustration. Christianity is not coming to a building. It's coming to a person named Jesus. And he wants a relationship with you. Keep it real. Someone say, keep it real. Some of you, let's just be real. You got a mask on. You have a smile on your face. But it was a war to come into this room. You're combing your hair and your gremlins, I mean your kids, were yelling at each other, we're going to church, get your shoes on. And you yell at them, and your spouse is not helping, you're doing it all by yourself, and then you show up to late church, to church late, you drop your kids off in the kids' ministry, and you show up to the second song. And it's in those moments when you're at your lowest that worship feels like it's the fakest. But it's in those moments where your worship is the realest. Because anyone can worship God when he heals you. Anyone can thank God on your wedding day. Anyone can praise him for the job, but can you praise him when he doesn't? Can you praise him when you pray and the healing doesn't happen? 
Can you praise him when he, you ask for the healing in your marriage and it doesn't happen? When, when your kid goes wayward with God and you're praying and fasting, will you worship God even if? Someone say even if. That's when worship is the realist, when it doesn't happen. Let me tell you, fake Christians worship God like this. I'll worship you if you give me the job. I'll go to church if you, if you give me this blessing. That's not real worship. That's fake poser Christianity because Christianity is God is good no matter what. I'm going to worship him even if. Some of you need to learn how to be honest and transparent. Elisha is on his deathbed. But before that, when he, when he saw his mentor go, he said, where now is the Lord? The God of Elisha was honest with God and he was honest with God on his deathbed. I'm going to pray for miracles even though you don't give me one. Because Elijah's life was, was one when, when God didn't do it, he kept pounding. Someone said, kept pounding. And when it didn't happen, he kept it real. And number three is this. When God doesn't do it, keep reading. Someone say, keep reading. Let me read you this last verse. So good. So good. Then Elijah died, and there they buried him. Can I tell you, this has been... This is the, the verse that most of us will read and then we'll do this. We think the story's over at the funeral. The funeral of your business, maybe the funeral of a relationship, maybe the funeral of a job. And we think God's done because that thing is dead. And the principle that God wants to teach you is keep reading. Can I tell you, if, if Sanderset had a verse, Sanderset chapter four, because we're four years old as a church, verse one, and they were kicked out of the hotel forever. You're laughing. I'm, I'm crying now. I'm like, oh my gosh, where are we going to go? And it's so easy to do this. God's done. In five months, since Easter to August, end of August, we saw 10 people receive Christ. We saw three baptisms. In seven weeks at the hotel, we saw 10 salvations and three baptisms. God did in seven weeks what took him five months. And it's so painful when he closes that door again. And it's, the temptation is, I pounded God, and it's done. So maybe I should stop. Maybe we should close the doors. But the story of Elisha is that even when he gives other people miracles and doesn't have one for himself, he wants to teach us the principle of keep pounding, keep it real. In 1978, there was a man by... Bill Clark, Bill Scott, and he coined the term, it's not over until the fat lady sings. I don't know why you, you ladies are getting picked on. I should have been. It's not over until the fat man sings. But I want to teach this principle, it's not over until Jesus sings. Watch what happens in this verse. This is going to encourage some of you. Sometime later, someone say sometime later. Raiding bands of Moabites, as they often did, invaded the country. One day, some men were burying a man. So picture this. There's two dudes. They're digging a hole in the ground, and there's a dead guy right here, probably in linen. 
bearing a man. They spotted the raiders. They threw the man into Elijah's tomb and got away. So they grabbed the dude and they just throw him in and they run off. When the body touched Elijah's bones, this is not weeks or days. This is months. The body has completely decayed. And at this point, Elijah asked for a double blessing. At this point, he's one miracle short of doubling the the miracles of his mentor, Elijah. Watch what happens. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came alive. Imagine you're at home, you're on your deathbed, you're holding your wife's hand, holding your kid's hand, see all your aunts and relatives, and you close your eyes and you go to heaven. And then you wake up and you're a grass field in a hole. Imagine how confused this guy is, right? He stood up and walked out on his own two feet. What God did not do for Elisha, and it seems like the story is dead, he did for the resurrection of that man. There's one sentence that I want to preach. If there's anything you remember today, it's not the tacos, I hope. It's this next sentence. Some of you need this next sentence. It's going to help you on your walk with God. I'd write it down if I were you. This is what my sermon's all about. It's this. Wait until you see what God does when he doesn't do it. Wait until you see what God does. God did not heal Elisha. But by not healing Elijah, it allowed this man to be resurrected. Why? Because God's not done. Just because you don't see the miracle in the now does not mean he's, he's not going to do something in the then. Some of you need to trust and obey God even when you don't see it. I don't know why we got kicked out of the hotel. I don't know why your marriage is not healed yet. I don't know why you still have that addiction. But don't stop pounding. Don't stop praying. Keep going after Jesus. I'm going to end with this story. Show this picture if you, if you could. On the bottom, there's this couple, and their names are Joe and Jenny Butler. In the middle is their son named Michael. You can't tell from the picture, but of the three children, the one in the middle, he has learning disabilities. He's not, he doesn't have Down syndrome, but he is developmentally not there. He, he can never live a life apart from his parents. And when he was about two years old, his parents realized that he had this disability. And because his parents are pastors, they began to pray. And they began to fast. And then they asked the church to pray. And they began to ask the church to fast. And a day turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months. And months turned into years. And their son never got healed. But these two people kept pounding. They kept coming to church. They kept telling God the heartbreak in their life. And then one day God speaks to them. He says, I want you to start an organization for people like your son. It's an organization called the Ability Tree. It is a Christian nonprofit organization that helps parents of special needs children find rest and helps get kids get closer to Jesus who have special needs through their ministry. Let me translate that. They create a church for handicapped people. Because God didn't answer the prayer of this pastor, every year across the country, there are hundreds and hundreds of handicapped kids that are meeting Jesus and getting saved. Wait until you see what God does when he doesn't do it. 
Some of you in this room, let's just be very honest. You are upset with God because you're not married. Because the cancer came back. Because you had an abusive dad growing up. I don't know what pain you're carrying this morning. I don't know what setback you have. I don't know in what way God has disappointed you. But keep reading. Someone say keep reading. It's not over till Jesus sinks. Story's not done. Even though he said no, he's doing something that you don't see. Wait until you see what God does when he doesn't do it. If I can get every person to close their eyes and bow their head. God, I want to pray for those in this room that are upset with you. I don't know in what way, God, that they think you failed them. Maybe it was an accident that you didn't prevent. Maybe it was the loved one that didn't get healed in the hospital. Maybe it was a disability that you didn't remove or restore a relationship that was broken. I don't know what, in what way God has failed you. But God told me to come to you today and say, wait till you see what God does with what he didn't do. If that's you this morning, with every eye closed and every head bowed, and you want me to pray, because maybe you walked in like Joash, and you want to leave with the faith of Elisha, that you haven't seen it yet. But after today, you're going to keep pounding. After today, you're going to keep it real. And after today, you're going to keep reading. If that's you, you just raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you. See your hand over there. See your hand over here, over there in the corner. You put your hand down. Let me pray. God, I pray for every person that raised their hand, maybe in their heart or with their physical hand, and they're hurting. They're disappointed. They feel like you failed them. But God, teach them. Don't let the failure affect their faith. That life is not just good days. It's also bad days. There are days, God, where you don't do it. But it doesn't mean you're not doing it. There are days, God, when we don't see it, but it doesn't mean you're done. There are days, God, when we're frustrated with you because we feel like you failed us. But teach us, God, to keep praying, keep believing, keep coming, keep fasting, keep pounding. Because as long as we're alive, that means you're not done, God. And even in death, you can still do miracles. I pray for those in this room that struggle to believe the goodness of God when they don't see it in the now. Give them the faith to trust you in the then. There are others of you in this room. You never knew the gospel. The gospel is that you and I have sinned against a holy God. We have disobeyed him. And in Islam, which I came out of, you have to do good things to earn God's love. In Christianity, Jesus does those good things so that you can be accepted by God. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm going to heaven because Jesus is. And I've placed my faith in him that he died on a cross for my sin. I could never feed enough homeless people. I could never do enough good things. Jesus is my goodness. He is my perfection. He is my righteousness, the Bible says. And salvation comes not to those who are good, but to those who are forgiven. And if you want the forgiveness of God, it's a free gift. It's not about going to a building. It's not about going to a holy land. 
but starting a relationship and being real with a holy God who has never stopped pursuing you, who has been pounded on the heart of your soul since the day you were born. And he wants you to come home because he's your dad. And he loves you enough to die for you. That's you this morning. You want to start a relationship with this living God. His name is Jesus. And he's real. And he's alive. He wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. That's you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. We just be, raise your hand. I'd love to pray for you this morning. You can put your hand down. Pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you left heaven. Thank you, God, that you lived a sinless and perfect life, the life I didn't live. And then, God, you did something that I could never do. You paid for my penalty of sin. You died so I wouldn't have to. You suffered so I could be blessed. You went down so I could be raised up. God, thank you that you didn't quit on me. Thank you, God, that you kept pounding on the, the soul of my heart. I want to follow you today, Jesus. I want to worship you today, Jesus. I receive your gift of salvation. Everybody said, Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.